0: need to talk about the Binnington contract as well because we haven't done a pod since that. Has he got a new contract? You're not seen it. No. Six years. Mm, oh, oh no. Thirty-six mil.
1: What's that AAV? Six.
0: <laughs> six mil. Mm. It's, I mean, it's too big for an inconsistent goaltender.
1: Yeah, I mean, I don't love, I don't hate it, but I don't love it.
0: His, um, his stats
1: this year are not good it's because he's got a cup it's freaking Matt Murray all over again alright here we go the most wonderful time of the year to follow the NHL in this country and if you're in Europe because because of the way that daylight saving works in North America then they go through their whole changing the clocks thing like earlier in March than we do so they've already changed their clocks which means all of the games are an hour earlier start so if you're watching an east coast game you're starting games at 2300 which is a whole extra hour sleep of course during this few week period the Leafs are hardly playing which is great however it is great for those fans just to give us that little bit of extra little bit of extra sleep but also a little bit of incentive to maybe get up and watch these games as we are in that part of the season where teams unless you're kind of right on the fringes of the playoffs It's starting to get a little bit that kind of January, February hockey that we don't like so much before the real fun run into the playoffs starts. We have got stacks to talk about this week. Um, I'm joined by Dallas Stars fan, Matt Day. Hello there, Matt. Hi, darling. Thanks very much for uh, for joining me. Claire is uh, about as absent as Freddie Anderson has been in the Leafs' net uh, over the last few weeks. Her beloved goaltender has gone hiding and uh, she's not here this week. me and matt are going to chew over loads of different things we've got um we want to touch briefly on the rangers unbelievable 9-0 victory over the flyers uh, a couple of weeks back we didn't do a pod last week so there's loads of news to get through we're going to feature mainly on the trade deadline we're going to maybe explore whether the vancouver maple leafs will become any more maple leaf and sign any more bottom six players from the toronto maple leafs we're going to look at who the sellers are um, some late runs from the aforementioned Canucks and Blue Jackets have halted some of those sales talks. Um, and some other borderline teams like LA are, are kind of not sure whether they're going to be selling or whether they're going to be making a late push to the playoffs. Nashville are definitely selling. The Islanders are definitely trying to buy after they had a major injury blow with Anders Lee going down. And of course quarantine, it's going to play its part this year with the Canadian and American border being a tricky one for some teams to navigate. We can't talk about a trade deadline without talking about Taylor Hall. He, of course, is high up on most people's list. And COVID in the North Division, the first game last night, as we record this on Tuesday, was postponed between the Canadians and the Oilers. And that was after a couple of positive tests By the time this podcast comes out, there will be more news from Montreal as to whether those tests were false positives, etc. But they have said the game isn't going to be rescheduled immediately. They're going to wait and see and try and reschedule it later on in the month. Now, also the goalie market, some fascinating moves going on there. And it would be nice to mention 14 Forsberg. That will make sense a little bit later as we explain. All right, that. Where do you want to start? What should we start with?
0: Well, you mentioned the 9-0. Let's let's start there. It was, back, yeah, it was a while ago. Roll back a couple
1: of weeks. And I think that, that I mean, 9-0 in hockey is a, an eye-watering score because one, shutouts are rare in ice hockey and in the NHL. So it's very rare that you get a, a nil score. And then I'd say 9, although hockey is kind of ramping up in terms of average goals per game, Nine is a little much, but then you break down a little bit more. And actually the game was just bizarre because the, the, the flyers went into the end of the first period, two nil down to the Rangers. So you're thinking, okay, so that's, that's not so bad. And then the Rangers come at you in the second period and whack seven goals past you in one period. Thankfully for the flyers, they take their foot off the gas a little in the third and don't score any, but, I mean what a what a bizarre season for the Flyers because they were pardon the pun flying at the beginning of the season got a bunch of covid and then this what do you make of them
0: they they at the beginning of the season they were one of the the teams I was excited to see from what I saw of them in sort of the first third of the season first quarter they looked quite good a lot of the time they still had those odd games where you go mm, still Still a bit a bit iffy, but they were looking positive and I thought they were gonna you know make the playoffs chew in um be a good good postseason for them. Um and then like you say COVID hit and they did have it pretty bad. I can't remember the numbers of, of people they had on the on the list, but Absolutely. it went over quite a long period of time as well. Yeah. Um, you know, three three nearly four weeks that really impacted their outdoor game. Um, you yeah. know, the build up to that, they had so many postponements and then only a few of the people coming back just before the, the outdoor game. And, and I don't think they've really recovered since their results are up and down. I mean, you, you know, you mentioned nine nil against the Rangers, arguably the, you know, the second best team in New York. Um, they then, the very next game, beat the Islanders four um, three, and then and then lost six one to the Islanders in the next game. So it's very much an up and down season for them now, um, and they they sit um, outside a playoff spot, but only by two points. So there's hmm. still there's still a chance.
1: The other thing that's worth mentioning about that game as well is the Rangers didn't have their coaching team. Uh, Their guys behind the bench were actually from their AHL affiliate because there was COVID protocol that meant the coaches couldn't be at the game. (laughs) So you had these AHL coaches thinking, oh, I don't know what they're all on about. This is easy. Like, (laughs) what do people say? This is difficult. They're incredible.
0: Yeah, I mean, 9-0 is just a bit, a a rare rare occurrence. We have high scoring games, but usually it's, you know, 5-4, 6-4, 7-3 but I can't remember the last 9-0. One
1: of the one of the worrying things for the Philadelphia Flyers is and I am feeling this badly with my uh, fantasy hockey team in mind is the performance of Carter Hart this season. Now they were, you know, they were really hoping for a big year from him and they had a good goalie tandem going into this year with Brian Elliott as the backup and Carter Hart as the starter and you know Carter Hart's resume over the last few years in the league has been very good in his kind of first year in his rookie year 2018-2019 he had a 9-17 safe percentage uh, last season he had a 9-14 again not too bad kind of around the 2.4 goals against average you know pretty good kind of stats for a young goaltender particularly on a team that wasn't amazing like they weren't bad but they weren't amazing This year, however, so far in 2020-2021, his save percentage is 8.75, with a goals against average of 3.83. I mean, that is rough. And particularly when you add in the play of Brian Elliott, which has also tailed off quite considerably over the last few weeks. And they have gone from being a team, the Flyers, who were probably as good as nailed on into the playoffs at the beginning of the season, as you can ever nail anybody on at the beginning of the season, to now probably not going to be doing much in the trade deadline because I'm not 100% sure they're going to want to commit to definitely going for it this year, particularly with that goaltending.
0: Yeah, and they're in this weird sort of fifth place bubble where it's what do you do at the trade uh, trade deadline? Do you you know, go all out to get in the playoffs and risk it. And if you, if you end up missing it, you've given up picks, you've given up uh, assets. If, if you make it, are you good enough to go all the way? It's this weird bubble. Uh, I mean, from, from a Dallas point of view, we've, we've gone for it a couple of seasons where we've been in this bubble and it's not paid off. And other times we've got in the playoffs and it's been okay. Um it, it's a fine balance, I think, as a GM, as to what what you what you're willing to give up um, if you're on that kind of cusp. Um, it, like I say, they're only two points out, so you, you can't you can't categorically say they're not going to make it and be sellers. But is it is it is the team good enough to uh, to add some pieces and and do well? Don't know. Don't know what the answer is really with Philly.
1: And that I mean that division is such a. I mean, in a way, it's, it's not been great because there are so many teams that are still in it, and there's, there's barely kind of teams that have run away with it, apart from you, you know, your Tamper, of course. But um, yeah, it's going to be. I. I there's such a. <clears throat> it's such a difficult one for those teams. Be and you think probably the answer is they'll do nothing. They won't be sellers, and right. they also won't be buyers because you know they'll. They won't, as you say, they won't want a mortgage against their future. However, they're probably not going to try and hamper themselves if they know they can get into the playoffs. And of course, remember, in America particularly, and I don't know what the situation is in Philadelphia specifically, but in America, you know, they are getting fans back. So playoff games and playoff revenue is going to become something that is going to probably be talked about. And, uh, you know, I'm sure ownership are... You know, wanting to try and recoup as much as they possibly can over the next uh, few weeks and months, and a couple of playoff games wouldn't be too bad.
0: You're, pro- you're probably right. They probably aren't going to do anything. Um, I did see an interesting thing uh, on the Athletic um, where they'd asked fans for their their fantasy trades, and they put it to a few execs and yeah. um, see whether they say yes or no to it. And <laughs> um, generally, they always say no. Yeah. Um, but there was one that they were they were interested in, which was Johnny Goudreau to Philadelphia, and uh, Kaneki the other way. Um, mm. And it, I think it's something like Goudreau is maybe from the area, so right. fans always want that to happen. And he's got he's got one year left or something on his deal. So yeah, that that would be one for the Philly fans, I think. But I, I can't see it happening personally.
1: Gaudreau is looking like a real kind of sorry figure in, in Calgary, and with Sutter he has taking been for a few you know, years. he has. You're right. And uh, however, with with Daryl Sutter in charge now, you can really see that players like him are not kind of the high priority. And yeah. it, uh, you know his minutes are going down, and you can see the frustration. And he he has to be one of the most kind of frustrating kind of players out there who has got so much hype around him but then so many games you watch him and he's just nothing like Yes,
0: yeah, you there. I mean I think I mentioned on the pod back in the playoffs um yeah. when when the stars played them he he was non-existent for most of the series and it's like that's the playoffs you want your your star players to to step up and and you know barely noticed him mm. uh, unlike you know Nathan McKinnon in the next round who yeah. Was all over the show. You, you, you name was being mentioned every every two minutes, uh, annoyingly.
1: Yeah. <laughs> and it's the same with like um, like Kachuk as well. Like he's another one. Like when he's on the ice, you want you know he's there. Like when he's in a game, you know he's there. And and even if they're having a tough game, or even if he's not particularly playing well, he's certainly not going to let you forget that he's on the ice. Whereas players like Goudreau and uh, I mean. There are others as well, but Gaudreau is one of those players who who can just disappear, and it must be tough. So I do wonder whether Calgary will try and not rebuild what they've got, but that has been a talked about trade Gaudreau for whoever for quite a long time. Yeah, I wonder if they they finally this year they finally go for it. Um, let's have a look at the the trade deadline um, because it's I mean it always does get a lot of attention leading up to it because it's the kind of usually around the time of year when the actual hockey itself is not probably the best. It's probably the worst hockey we get in the NHL season because, you know, it's not the start of the season when everybody's just scoring for fun and it's not that run into the playoffs where it all gets serious. It's where a lot of injuries build up and teams, you know, who are running away with it start getting a bit um, defensive and there are starting to be teams who are out of it. And so the trade deadline gives us a little bit of kind of... Um, entertainment shall we say um in that kind of mid-season of hockey and it this year certainly from a canadian's fans point of view everything's been accelerated forward because the trade deadlines on the 12th of april if i'm remembering it right um and usually most trades would be done um on or around that day um but this year because of the quarantine rules in canada it means that essentially teams who are trading for American players coming into Canada have to go through the players have to go through a two-week quarantine, like Pierre-Luc Dubois did earlier on in the season. And this is a proper quarantine. This is a you are in your hotel and you do not leave your hotel for two weeks. So it's not like they can practice or anything like that. Um, I'm sure they could, uh, you know, get a, a bike up there and train and run and do all those kind of things but run up and down the corridors but you are in your quarantine uh, hotel and not able to come out so for a lot of teams that means in canada anyway if they make a trade on the trade deadline that means it's the end of april before the player even gets to train with the team so you're essentially then going into the playoffs with your brand new player maybe with only four five games under their belt So there's a real emphasis at the moment for Canadian teams to see where they can get their business done early. And of course, business within the division and within Canada is difficult because they're all in the same division. So they're all competing. So why would you want to trade to one of your fellow competitors who you're going to be fighting for a playoff spot? So that has intensified the trade talk in Canada. Now, of course, in America, the... The kind of counter to that is, and the reason why teams usually trade around the trade deadline is because they don't know if they're going to be making it or not. And they don't know whether they're out of it or whether they have still got a chance. And you're going to have teams over the next few weeks who probably find out whether they're in with a chance of getting into the playoffs. And that is something that has held up the the trade market at the moment. Columbus were a team out there who were being talked about a lot in trade rumours. And then they go on a great run, or should I say Chicago also throw away quite a few games. And and suddenly now Columbus are joint with Chicago um, in their division in the Central. And if you're the Columbus GM, are you going to be trading any players away being that close? Perhaps not. Vancouver's another one in Canada. Again, had a disastrous February, looked all but out, and then suddenly go on a great run in March and are now pushing, and only two points. Granted, they played a lot more games than others, but only two points behind the Montreal Canadiens to get into fourth. So again, are you going to sell, if you're Vancouver, another team? So this is kind of adding in to what is already an interesting time of the year for NHL fans, but this year, of all the years, of course, is unprecedented. That favourite word, isn't it? Is there anything that kind of jumps out at you, Matt, about ahead of this trade deadline?
0: Well, you've got to throw into the mix the um, the expansion draft as well, so it confuses really is unprecedented. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) confuses matters slightly and and makes things quite hard to kind of work out. Certainly from a, a fan's point of view, looking at other teams.
1: So, just explain to fans who perhaps maybe weren't around for the Vegas one or haven't been through that or you know weren't following it when Vegas. What happens during that? expansion drive
0: <laughs> put me on the spot there yeah uh, so brief
1: overline. don't go into the two man yeah so, <laughs> so
0: basically seattle um get to pick players they get to pick their team from a selection of players from everybody else's teams and there's a big set of rules around that and we can probably do a you know a special about that nearer the time um Each team can protect a certain number of forwards and goalies. Um, Again, there's strict rules about who they can protect and certain categories of players that they can't. Um, And then Seattle get their pick. So they could pick any goalie from uh, any team that isn't protected. Um, and, And so that adds complication to the trade deadline because, Certainly from my point of view, looking at, say, Columbus, I don't know off the top of my head who they're going to protect in the expansion draft and who who they're hoping that Seattle are going to have from them. Um, but that's what the GMs are going to have in their head. It's not just going to be, you know, if we're selling or if we're, um, well, yeah, if we're selling, uh, so Nashville, for example, If they're moving somebody out, who do they get in? Do they get in somebody back who is potential uh, to be exposed at the expansion draft? So are they really bothered about who's coming in other than their criteria and uh, whether they would be, um, you know, a favourable pick for Seattle, which then protects some of their other assets that they don't want to get rid of? Or do they want to bring in somebody who they can protect and free up somebody else on their roster that they, they want to expose to the draft. So it it makes things quite complicated to understand what's going on. But I think the GMs, the GM's know, what, go, know
1: they, what they're doing. They do, they do however... You know, Vegas has been a huge success from the players that they did get. And a lot of NHL GMs got burnt through that experience. And a lot of them are the same GMs again. And I think they're going to be far more wise to the fact that Seattle Kraken are going to be after those players. I remember when I first learned about the expansion draft for Vegas, I thought, what? So... They literally go around and take a player from each team. Like this yeah. is this is madness.
0: You have to accept that uh, certainly if you're not going to watch it live, you're going to wake up in the morning, and you know one, if not two, of your players are going to have gone. gone.
1: Just gone like that. No, yeah. n- no, no control, no nothing. They've just gone. Yeah, you don't
0: get anything <laughs> back. And 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 that's the thing. That's the other thing about the trade deadline. If there's somebody that you think Seattle might want. Uh you you could trade them and get somebody else in. Uh, and so that you get some assets back now rather than yeah. losing them to Seattle for nothing.
1: Particularly if you're a team let's say who are out of the playoffs and not likely to do much, and you've got um, a couple of kind of players who per- perhaps you want to try and monetize and you want to get some value back from them. And, you know, what you don't want is Seattle coming along in the summer and just picking them up and them going and there's nothing you can do. Whereas if you can get rid of them now at this stage, get a few picks or prospects which can't be taken away from you, then those assets are, are saved. I mean, you touched on it then with Seattle and we've kind of gone on a tangent, but it's quite it does relate to the trade deadline, as you've explained, is the Vegas expansion, the kind of the goaltending situation there was well publicized and known about like Pittsburgh had Matt Murray and Marc-Andre Fleury, two goaltenders who were both Stanley Cup winning. They were both at the top of their game. They were probably the best two goaltenders as a combination at the time in the league. And it was very, it was made clear from quite an early stage that Pittsburgh were going to protect Matt Murray, who was the younger of the two goaltenders, perhaps not the best decision, but Hey, hindsight's 2020. And, and so flurry was going to be going to the vegas golden knights now that gave a lot of teams a certain amount of confidence about their goaltending situation because they knew flurry was going to be going to vegas so that was one goaltending pick gone this year there is no clear as far as i'm aware or certainly i've seen there is no clear standout goaltender who the kraken are going to be taking so this is something that you know could affect your team dallas for example like that you you know you guys have got um kind of not difficulties because it's a nice, uh, it's a nice problem to have. But you've got essentially three goaltenders who are going to be on your books who are NHL caliber coming into this off season, and so perhaps even as a team that are pushing to get into the playoffs, moving someone like Hudobin might be something that you would do this year because of the Seattle expansion, because you could get some assets for him, whereas yeah. in the summer he could go for nothing.
0: That's a That's a. a- a good example. I mean, I think, uh, I, I, like you said, we've gone off on a tangent, uh, but the goalie market for Seattle is actually much more confusing because there are so many good options that are probably going to be exposed um, at, the, at the draft um, on very cheap contracts. And and they're not your standout Marc-Andre Fleury, but, you know, you you've probably, uh, Drager at um, Florida is having yep. a great season um, on a cheap contract. Um, he's pick, picking up or lots of wins.
1: Do they expose Bob? I,
0: I don't think they will. He's he's come good the last the last few weeks. Uh, they I am not I can't I'm Sure,
1: Florida would want rid of that ten million million dollar contract. You think? <laughs> yes. Uh, maybe. But, <laughs> if but I was then, Florida ownership,
0: I would. But then, would Seattle take? A ten mil contract. Nope. You, so it's, so then, it's then it's like
1: a game of chicken, isn't it? It's like, yeah. Here you go. Here's the nice, expensive, shiny thing. Do you want it? No. Okay, we keep both. Uh,
0: so, so you mentioned uh, Columbus were an interesting one, and yeah. uh, I think they are interesting because they're on that bubble, and we spoke about Philadelphia being on that bubble. Yeah, but they've got history of going for it. Mm. Um, oh, was it a yeah. couple of
1: seasons ago? Two years ago.
0: Yeah, and um, you know they really went for it and then went out to the guy in the first round. I'm trying to remember.
1: That was the or, year. wasn't that the year they beat Tampa. They beat they Tampa, beat Tampa and in the first round. Went out in the
0: second round. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like.
1: Yeah. Cause last year they beat the Leafs, man
0: Is that classed as a success or not? Does the GM go for it again? And go, I mean, well, you it w- worked <laughs>
1: last time. You, white- <laughs> you whitewashed Tampa.
0: <laughs> yeah. So. But you didn't win a cup. So it's, it's, it's difficult. I mean, Buffalo's an interesting one just because they're so bad.
1: And <laughs> yeah, they've got... you know, at the top of my notes here about the stuff to chat about this week, I wrote Buffalo Sabres. You don't need to talk about them again. You've already well, said enough bad things about them. But well, you're right. They are relevant to for the this trade, trade deadline. deadline. They
0: are. They've got so many pieces that people would be interested in and go, yeah. you know, that, that player cannot be as bad as they're performing in Buffalo. Yeah. Taylor Hall, Sam Reinhart, um, Who else? I mean, there's, there's quite a lot there that are trade bait for people. Um, and, And if Buffalo are that bad, do they just, you know, get more picks, see what they get back? I don't, I don't know. Um, I mean, looking at
1: the Athletic, have got a a kind of an NHL trade board um, up on their site. Um, And, you know, some of the names that you mentioned there are are high up there. Taylor Hall, of course. I mean, it does feel like we've spoken about Taylor Hall in every single UFA or trade or scenario or trade deadline. He is eternally available and uh, he has been around so many different teams and can't help but I do you know particularly with this move to Buffalo when you know he was going to be playing with Eichel and there was all kind of this talk of Buffalo being good I feel sorry for him of how it's ended up and he obviously now is going to be looking for another team to go and join he's only under contract for this year so he'll be UFA again in the summer so guess what we get to have the Taylor Hall sweepstake all over again in the summer um, but he's up there. You're right. Sam Reinhart's another one. Um, he's on that trade board. Um, you've got Brandon Montour is another one. Uh, you, you've got quite a few players from the Sabres there. The only ones they're kind of talking about as off, um, uh, off, well, unavailable are the likes of Rasmus Darlene and Jack Eichel is, has gone quiet. Um, and he's now gone on to IR um, for his injury. So, who knows with him whether he'll just see out this season and, and then reassess in the summer. Hard to fit that kind of Eichel contract um this time in the season. Yeah,
0: he he's out for, well, there's rumour that he's got a neck injury and he's out for the next eight weeks, so uh, I can't see anybody really risking a, a trade for that.
1: No, and you think, I mean for him, probably the summer's a better time to move around and yeah. he, again, you're going to be out of the Seattle conversation by then and you'll be able to join a team um, who are kind of in a better position cap wise to bring you on board, the the um the top two on that trade board
0: are really interesting, I think. So yeah, the, the top one they've got at the moment is Matthias Ekholm from yeah. Nashville, and we've already said Nashville are probably going to be sellers. Yeah, he's thirty. He's actually come really good. He's playing really well at at the right time for him. <clears> if <throat> if he wants a trade, um, well, it's come at the right time for Nashville because they're more likely to get a bit more for him. But he. He's got one more year at three point seven five, so that's it. for a for a, a decent D man. That is a good contract.
1: So now, usually, just to explain, just to kind of further go through with the um, Seattle expansion talk. Usually, if you can get a player at this time of the year with this year and next year on their contract at a cap figure that's that's good, like Ekholm's is then that is great because essentially you're not just trading someone for the rest of this year and then they could disappear in the summer. You've got them for the rest of this year and next season as well. However, of course, this season, that could potentially prove difficult for some teams because he then is another player that you have to either protect or be prepared to lose for nothing to Seattle. So again, the price on him is going to depend on whether their team is confident that they can protect him in the summer or if they're going to expose him, the chances are Seattle are going to take him. And so therefore you'd only be looking at trying to spend what you would normally spend on a rental player, which is when they talk about a player who's only got the kind of rest, the remainder of this season and the playoffs to play. So that's an interesting factor because he's one, Ekholm is one that I'd love the least to sign because I think he'd be exactly the type of D that we'd want. He plays on the right side, although he's a lefty and, you know, he's a, he's the, He's exactly the kind of player that we'd love to add, but it does then add the extra question, that extra year it does make you think, well then yeah. who are you prepared to lose in the summer? But well
0: it's just another Richard idea. Raquel's another one from Anaheim that's been linked with the Leafs that I've seen.
1: I think he likes um, to be called Ricard. I think he's Ricard oh, Raquel. Sorry. I don't Ricard. think he's Richard. Ricard Raquel. <laughs> <I'm sorry. laughs> <They were Anglo-sizing laughs> his staying quite substantially uh, <laughs> there. I know we go fast and loose with pronunciations. We
0: but do, I yeah, we do always say we're just fans. <laughs> yeah. Uh, there's a yeah. good example. But he's he, another he's one another that's been linked one. to Leaf, so I've his name said a lot. Yeah. yeah. One one more year, yeah. 3.78. You know, another decent contract. Um yeah. and and you've just got that, that risk of of will he will he go in the draft I mean obviously Seattle can only take so many players so they can yeah of course it's it's maybe not as big a risk as we're we're making out but um it's just, it's just another a fact to think about it's, a, yeah. it's
1: another it's another factor that you don't normally have to think about like I remember when the Leafs brought in Jake Muzzin um around this time of year well time slipped but anyway this time of year before the trade deadline they brought him in for that season and then the following season as well and that was really kind of seen as a real big success because while he was okay in that first season that he arrived, his second season with the lease was incredible and the value that they got and the amount of time that they got for that trade was so much more than if it had just been a rental.
0: It's also with those players that have got one year left, it's also um, how confident are you? You can re-sign them if you yeah. want to um, yeah. in the summer and at mm-hmm. what, cost are you going to have to resign them so yeah. some some players who are on the up are going to be looking for a bigger contract so you might sign them at one year at 3.7 but you're gonna to have to sign them at three years at five and a half yeah you know um so yeah there's so many so many different things did you want to talk about um the islanders and their their injury
1: uh yeah i mean, it's such a tough one for the islanders to lose um anders lee Um, I think it was a leg injury, um, but he's been placed on long-term IR. And he um, is a huge loss for a team that was doing very, very well this year. Um, And it suddenly meant that they have kind of rocketed to the top of the Taylor Hall sweepstakes, for example. Um, Basically anybody to replace that kind of player and a top caliber player um and uh you, you noticed on the trade board that there was quite an interesting pick coming in at uh, coming in at number four
0: yeah number four is the islanders first round pick <laughs> and I, I couldn't <laughs> which... quite understand it at first
1: no um, which on a list of players seemed yeah. odd
0: but when when you think about it that that pick is there for the taking now yeah. okay, the islanders are doing uh, pretty well so that pick's not going to be particularly high but for teams that are after a se- you know a second or sometimes third first round pick, that's that's pretty appealing.
1: Can I throw another curveball and another slight distraction from talking about the trade deadline but oh. in this unprecedented year, another thing that pe- that teams are having to think of is when it comes to picks, This year is fascinating because usually what would happen is all these NHL teams have huge scouting departments and they have people who are in-person scouting, they have people who are video scouting and they have people scouting teams in North America, across the world, all over the place, all of these different leagues. However, because of COVID, many of those leagues have either not been playing at all or have been playing but behind closed doors so scouts can't go in and watch so this year's draft is going to be one of the least researched drafts in the well certainly in the (laughs) in the kind of technology age that we've been in and so somebody was saying i can't remember who it was Uh, it was a podcast i was listening to but someone was talking about this year of all the years you just want as many darts as you can get (laughs) because essentially and also and this is what made me think about it with that pick of new york of the new york islanders actually that first round pick of the new york islanders is going to come probably somewhere in the in the mid to late 20s in terms of overall however the chances of picking up somebody who snuck in under the radar that doesn't exist is potentially huge and the draft is going to be such a, I mean, I genuinely have no idea who the first overall draft pick is going to be this year. Whereas in all previous years, there's kind of an idea. There's like two or three people who are like fighting up there at the top, but scouts have just not had the ability to watch these players play because these players haven't been playing or they have been playing in behind closed doors games. And it, it essentially does mean that the draft is going to be a little bit of, well, Let's pick him. I think he'll be good. Like, we like what we saw two years ago. And so for those teams who are rebuilding, if you can get as many draft picks as you can get this year, then you might find an absolute steal far further down in the draft order than you perhaps would in a normal year.
0: Just, and just touching on that, um, I think one of the top prospects for this draft was going to be Luke Hughes. Another one of the Hughes brothers. Mm. Um and he's just got injured and he's done for the season. Ah. Uh, so
1: he must have only just come back as well, because I yeah. see would have only just started. So who
0: you know, that add that into the mix. Do you take a uh, risk on on him who's been out for, you know, months? And so yeah, it's gonna be very, very little research yeah. and some injuries going on there. So yeah, it's gonna be interesting.
1: So those, those pick from the Islanders, like in that first round, then absolutely you'd want to, you'd want to chuck them in. Or you could also look at it the other way from a team who are like the Islanders or the Leafs or a team who are right up there or Tampa, anybody, any team who have their first round pick, you could just think, do you know what? This is a game that I don't want to be interested in this year. You can have that pick because, you know, maybe if I can get the same amount of worth out of this first round pick, and you don't even know what you're going to get for that, perhaps maybe that's a better deal. Um, but uh, yeah, the draft's going to be a very, very strange one this year. Um, so, looking at, I mean, some of those other names on that list are interesting. And one of the interesting things about this list is it does feature quite a few goaltenders. Now, the goaltending market has been bizarre this season. And we mentioned him right off the top, but we have got to mention uh, 14 Forsberg, as I'd like to call him to this point. And Tom Forsberg, who has uh, been registered with a grand total of four NHL teams this season. Uh, he's been picked up on waivers three times and all over the, uh, the league. And part of that is because there is a real, not a shortage of goaltenders, but there's a huge amount of goaltenders who are injured at the moment and there is a real lack of goaltenders available to be picked up so we'll talk about some of that in a minute however just the final bit on this kind of trade board I was quite surprised to see some of the names on this trade board from the goaltending point of view Um, you've got and and maybe this is linked back to that whole Seattle conversation because there are a lot of players on here who are kind of the other half of a of a pretty good duo. So you've got Elvis Muslickens, who is Columbus Blue Jackets kind of second goaltender behind you, Jonas Corpusello, or at least I think he is their second. He might have overtaken Corpusello this year, but he's up there, quite high up on their list. Again, if Columbus are going for a push to the playoffs, probably not going to be trading him because you're going to be needing two goaltenders. Other ones on there, anti-ranter um, of the Coyotes, which is interesting, given the fact that Darcy Kemper's injured at the moment but the coyotes are desperate to retool and desperate to get some picks back. And so maybe they would be willing to go with a kind of Aiden Hill and whoever until Kemper comes back. Um, and then there are some more obvious ones further down the list, the likes of Jonathan Bernier in Detroit, who has actually played incredibly well, um, on a very poor Detroit team. And, uh, you mentioned it earlier on, Chris Drieger as well on the Panthers. Surprised to see him on that board um, with the Panthers doing so well. But the goaltending market will come on to the kind of ones that have already moved. But can you see there being any kind of big goaltending trades at the trade deadline this year?
0: Uh, it's difficult, isn't it? Because a lot a lot of the teams that are doing well have a decent Tandem, other than maybe the Leafs, Thank you. <laughs> not wanting to mention Freddie Anderson Thank you again very much. Um, Freddie. and, and uh, you know maybe the Leafs is where I see something something happening here. Um, but I I think the Leafs have kind of made it clear that they want forwards. Yeah. Um, and might be willing to well, it depends how Jack Campbell does. Might be willing to ride Jack Campbell and and have. Anderson as a, a backup to him, which is which is a decent tandem. Yeah. Um I I'm not sure where the other teams who are in the market for, for goalies are to be honest. I'm sure I'm sure they're out there. Um maybe Colorado with a few
1: Well, interesting you mentioned Colorado because they did make a move already, although it perhaps wasn't the move that Colorado Avalanche fans would have wanted. Um, The Avalanche acquired a goaltender called Jonas Johansson from the Buffalo Sabres. Um, That was for a 2021 sixth round pick. Um, However, before you get too excited, Avs fans, uh, Jonas Johansson is a 1-8-2 in two seasons with the Sabres, posting an 8-8. 88 8, save percentage and a 3.4 goals against average. And it, it just gets worse because um, the Athletic article that we uh, that kind of <laughs> brought us this trade mentioned of the 66 goalies who've appeared in five games this season. Johansson is the only one without a victory. Not great. His save percentage ranks 58th and... <laughs> editorially they go on to mention how he doesn't really stop pucks in practice or in games so this guy is and i've seen him described on twitter as the worst nhl goaltender that has ever existed now i'm sure that's an exaggeration beyond belief and Jonas, if you're listening i'm sure you are not however he is a struggling goaltender but he has gone to a team in colorado who have got some great you know a really good goaltending tandem um but Pavel, yeah, Fransuz, isn't it? Fransouz? Fransouz? Yeah, I think so. Um, their backup has been injured all season and continues to be injured. Um, and so a lot of pressure has gone on to their kind of third string goaltenders and beyond. And so they're looking to bolster. But that gives you an idea of the type of goaltenders that are available at that level because you would think a team like Colorado would really want to go in with a strong tandem considering the year they had last year when it was their goaltending that burnt them, when they were ending up with Michael Hutchinson starting in net.
0: And I was, go- I was going to say exactly that. You know, they, they don't want to go into the playoffs with Grubauer and Jonas Johansson. There's there's no, n- no way. Jonas Johansson is a short-term fix. Um, so maybe somebody like Bernier from Detroit. Um, you can see Detroit maybe giving him up um i i i can't see florida wanting to give up drager because they're such a good tandem i was thinking um, that, I know that was a, but it, the only thing that could be in there is that expansion draft and can we get something for him now but they're You've in win, they're win mode yeah so i can't i can't really see that that happening um I'm not sure what um, the cap situation is like at at Colorado, but maybe, maybe Antti Ranta. He's on 4.25. But yeah, I'm not, I'm not quite sure where all the big, the big buyers are going to be at the moment in terms of goalies.
1: No. And you've got to look at how you're going to make your team. And this is the, the argument going on in Leafs nation right now. You've got to look for somebody who's going to make your team better. And if you're, hoping to god and we all are that jack campbell is uh, an nhl number one then suddenly you're then looking for a better backup than freddie anderson which doesn't exist so i think
0: i think a lot of teams made their moves in the summer as well um with the the free agency market for goalies was was excellent in the summer so a lot of teams made made their move then um
1: That's an interesting one, actually, because talking of that with the summer is the Caps is another one, which is an interesting team to look at because they are relying very heavily on um, Samsonov. And he had a a bit of an injury uh, or I think in COVID, actually, I can't remember. Anyway, he was out for a while. Now he's come back and he is their kind of number one goaltender. And the idea was that he was going to share the net uh, with Henrik Lundqvist, of course, before Lundqvist um, was out for the season. And they're another one that you you sit there and go, are oh, the Caps going to be happy going in with Samsonov and I think it's Vanek or Vanacek. Um, again, another goaltender who both of them have not got huge amounts of experience going into what is going to be a, a tricky division and a tough division to get out of.
0: I'll throw another one in there that, that could... Uh, what about Chicago? So they've God, got... I don't Mal- know who their goalies are. Well, so they've got Malcolm Suban. Oh, yeah. And um, this Kevin Lankinen.
1: Oh yeah, he's who's been, who's
0: been like who's been doing really outstanding, well, Outstanding, isn't he? But he hasn't been outstanding the last yeah. few weeks, and they've okay. started to drop off. And I mean, they've got three goalies on their books, and the highest-paid one is Delia, who's not not really playing on one million. Wow! You know, they they don't have <laughs> a big a big goaltender. On God, their books, no. Now, so, so they could be in the market for for somebody. Um, so that's kind of, going to
1: depend a lot whether they just drop out as well of the race.
0: Yeah, and and they're currently in that fourth spot. And if if goaltending's a bit of an issue at the moment, maybe a trade for a goalie could, you know, secure them that that playoff spot.
1: Mm. I mean, you look, you'll have seen Chicago. They're kind of. I, uh, I haven't seen any of their games, but I've been quite surprised that they are... Well, I was certainly surprised where they are before they kind of had their little slump recently. But what, what have you made of the Blackhawks this year? Because I wasn't really expecting them to be a playoff team.
0: I think um, the the Blackhawks and probably Detroit, both of them, I don't think they're anywhere near as bad as what people think. Mm. Um, but Chicago have been surprising how well they've played, but they of quite an open team uh in terms of defensively you you get chances against them you get big chances um and when lankinham was playing well that was kind of getting them the wins because he was he was almost winning them the games because they were scoring three or four every night but not conceding three and four now they're not getting those saves they they're not getting the wins they they've always had the 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 talent, you know, you've got Patrick Kane in your team, and add in yeah. people like Kuba Leek and Debrinkit, and you know, they've got firepower, they're going to score goals. It's just defensively aging, um, you know, aging defense, uh, with uh Duncan Keith not quite as good as uh he used to be, 37, um, and and that back end just isn't quite. What it needs to be which we've we've spoken about with other teams like pittsburgh and um so yeah they're 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 one of those teams that could easily go on a another run hmm. and make it into the playoffs but likewise they could keep plummeting and I think they've lost four in a row um and just keep keep going down on the standings
1: is um tave's going to be back for the playoffs if they make it
0: don't think so i haven't seen an update season, hasn't he? i haven't actually seen an update as to what it was i know they were doing tests and trying to work out what the problem was with him yeah um i think it was a lot of uh, fatigue and things so yeah i'm not not quite sure what's what's going on there but no i wouldn't i wouldn't bank on him being back i mean Seabrook's out as well mm. um andrew shaw's on our, i mean they've they're they're banged up i mean yeah. every team is but yeah alex Nylander's out Kirby, Dak, Andrew mm. Shaw, Seabrook, Taves. So yeah, they're, they're banged up. Which adds Worth to mentioning
1: just well. before we move on from the goalies is uh, we mentioned with Anton Forsberg. I mean, uh, incredible. He was on um, 31 Thoughts, the podcast with um, Jeff Merrick and Elliot Friedman and he was interviewed on it. And it's a really interesting listen. I'd recommend going to listen to it because I, he, <laughs> he puts a very positive spin on it and, um, which you could say that perhaps being put on waivers four times in a season isn't great. Um, The way that he looks at it is very much that, well, he's been put on waivers this many times. However, he's been picked up every single time. So he is a goalie in demand. Um, But he did, I mean, that's tough. In any normal year, that is tough, moving all around all those different teams. However, he does point out that Um, His latest move to Carolina was purely a transaction. He never actually went there because he then ended up moving on to uh, another team straight away after. Um, He's now in Ottawa. Um, I'm not sure if he's played yet or not. I don't think so. But no, I don't think he has yet. But um, he, you know, stands a good chance of getting a game in Ottawa with the goaltending situation there. Um, But he kind of describes in, in the podcast about how, how tough it was on, on, on his family as well. His family had been moving around. He's got yeah, a kid um, and, you know, going into, going into school and then being taken out of school and all that kind of stuff. And in any year, that's going to be tough. But in a year when you've got to deal with quarantine, and he has had to deal with quarantine coming over from Europe, and just a really tough side of the sport um, in a pandemic year particularly. For a guy to move to all those different cities,
0: it's it's often goalies that get moved around like this, isn't it? Um, mm. I think I remember Mike McKenna a couple of seasons ago oh, moved yeah. around to several teams, and yeah. he was very open actually about how tough it was on him and his family. Um, and yeah, is a it's it's not like. Um, you know, football in this country, or where, where the players have a say in where they go, because mm. they have to sign a contract. If they if they don't want to go, they don't sign the contract. But yeah. in American sports, if you're traded, you're you're going. Um,
1: However, and the crazy thing is, this unless I'm really misunderstanding it, but I, the the whole waiver thing is there for the players' benefit. So it's to it's to ensure that players get a chance at earning NHL money. Because they, uh, you know, essentially when they're playing in an NHL team or they're on an NHL roster, they get paid at NHL level. But a lot of players contracts when they then go down to the AHL, they will get a lower amount of money. So this was put in by the players or the players association so that if you you have to clear waivers, so you have to go down. Essentially, any team can pick you up and it's it's kind of ranked in order of you know from a bad team to a good team the worst teams get priority they get to pick you to put you on their nhl team and therefore you then keep kind of earning that higher amount of money but at the same time as you say the the actual personal toll of that i would imagine there's been quite a few players who would have just preferred to stay in the same city on the ahl team and earn a bit less money maybe i don't know
0: potentially (laughs)
1: There was a really interesting one earlier on in the season um, with uh, Jason Spezza because the Leafs have been in uh, a bit of waiver uh, waiver wire fun over the last week or so. Um, they put a couple of players on waivers. Uh, started with Jimmy Vesey, who was um, an off-season pickup from uh, Buffalo. He was in last, and um, also Travis Boyd as well. Another two, you know, two kind of bottom six forwards. But the Leafs had to put them on waivers because they needed to move them to the taxi squad because of cap reasons blah 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 and they're trying to create as much money as they can um so therefore not keeping players on the nhl roster saves them money for the cap anyway that's a conversation for another day but they were doing all of this stuff so they then put these two players on waivers and um over the course of a week both of them have been picked up and both of them have ended up in vancouver and um let's cue all of the jokes about the fact that you've got the uh, vancouver maple leafs and a couple of the bottom six um, former Maple Leafs playing for the Canucks now. But there was a really interesting one for the Leafs earlier on in the season when Jason Spetzer, who is having a very good season for the Leafs as a kind of fourth, third-line player, uh, scoring some goals and getting some points and um, all-round just being a good player to have. He was put on waivers earlier on in the season when he was doing well. Um, and there was a lot of suggestions that he would have been picked up um, however his agent quite publicly made it very clear that if Jason Spetzer was picked up by any team on waivers he would instantly retire <laughs> which, which is just a crazy kind of I guess only a player of somebody like Jason Spetzer's ilk could get away with that kind of stunt like he's a player that's been around the league long enough he's old enough to retire he's made enough money to retire so teams probably wouldn't want to call his bluff but i thought it was a fascinating way of kind of getting around the whole waiver situation and yeah. he, he he's he also well respected
0: so i think yes i think a lot of teams would honor, honor his his kind of decision but yeah
1: and he's there he you know he's in earning league minimum on his second year with the leafs and i know he's with dallas before the leafs as well and and he's obviously in a position where he wants to win a cup. Like, that is what he wants to do. And he does not want to be going to be playing with, you know, the Red Wings or, you know, <laughs> a team right down struggling at the bottom. Like, his MO is all about winning a cup.
0: Well, did, on that, did you hear um, the Eric Carlson uh, comments? Yeah. So, the San Jose GM <laughs> basically said... <laughs> Um, okay. He didn't say rebuild. What? Uh, trying to remember what he what he called it. Um, but he basically said we're not in a winning position. Um, yeah, you know, Sherlock. We're in the marking for trying to <laughs> trying to improve next season, kind of thing. And uh, Eric Carlson was not too impressed with um, these comments. <laughs> and basically said, you know, I didn't sign here to have the same situation that I had in Ottawa for 10 years or whatever it was. Um, And it was quite interesting because it all got blown out of proportion. So if you were to read about it on Twitter, you know, he, he was having a go at the GM, but if you read the whole transcript, he's not, he's, he basically says, yeah, I didn't come here to, you know, have another rebuild, but that's the situation we're in. I speak to the GM regularly. Um, we know what the situation is. We want. We all want to be better. Um, I can't do anything about it, kind of thing. So he was actually quite pragmatic yeah. about it. But the the uproar on Twitter was, you know, Eric. Car- somebody's going to trade for Eric Carlson because he doesn't want to be there, and he's having a go at the GM. So yeah, it's um. But the, but you know, it kind of not wanting to why be players somewhere where there's a rebuild.
1: Anything. Yeah. <laughs> Ever. You wonder why players don't ever say anything, like ever, like because yeah, they I just think... get anything gets taken out of context. And
0: and it's a shame because we we um, often complain that hockey players don't have any personality and and we don't get to see any of it. And then somebody like Kuba comes along <laughs> and we, we we all get excited about about him doing something crazy. And it's like they do have personality and they do have things to say, but they just don't say it because they just get criticised by the media or or the fans.
1: One of the things that came out of that was from, I saw, you know, and I'm not one to jump to Ottawa Senators fans defense, but what a couple of them were saying, hang on a minute, that is not his experience of 10 years in Ottawa. We were actually quite good. Like, (laughs) I think the argument from, uh, you know, I heard the counter argument to that was, well, the reason you were good was Eric Carlson made you good and he dragged you to the playoffs and he probably doesn't want to be on a team that he's just dragging himself there's and the, and the playoffs.
0: And the opposite of that is now the San Jose fans are blaming Carlson for their team being bad. Yeah. You know, he he's not he's not been as good as he, he no. probably could have been, but I don't think it's all all his fault.
1: So we had um, we can't really go this far into the um, <laughs> podcast without really mentioning COVID that much. Um, there was a, a bit of COVID news to kind of mention, and it, it was looking good for a very long time, and still does look good across most of the um, most of the divisions. But a significant moment last night, which was where uh, the first NHL game uh, was postponed in the Scotia North Division. The Oilers and the Canadians were going to face off last night, and they didn't because a couple of Montreal players tested positive for coronavirus they then have uh, since gone through a whole load of testing with uh, the Montreal team and um, there was some kind of talk if they weren't sure whether these were false positives um, and it was the league airing on the side of caution there is due to be a press conference shortly it may well be happening as we're doing this but uh, there is one due to happen shortly which is how they'll the nhl will announce how they're going to do this a lot of it will depend on whether they were indeed false positives or whether these were players who would then have to go on to covid protocol and um it was just a bit of a reminder really like that this is still something because we'd kind of we'd got to a point where most games were going ahead and it, it kind of gave me a (laughs) It took me back to what was it? end of January, early February, when literally like half the games weren't happening and Dallas hadn't even started their season yet and all of this kind of stuff. Um, But yeah, it's still still there Mm -hmm. and worrying for Canadians that uh, this was the first game because they had got all the way through up to this point without a single one lost.
0: Yeah, it is interesting that, you know, Canada's done done so well. I mean, we predicted it at the beginning, but it, it shows that it is still an issue there. I mean, there's been 43 games postponed this season um, and 38 of them due to COVID. The other, The other five were all weather-related.
1: <laughs> and most of them in Dallas. I mean... Yeah,
0: there was one the other day that was a snowstorm as well. I um, Can't remember where that was, but yeah, I think it was a Boston game. But
1: as um, as Claire isn't here to uh, tell us, uh, well, she can't tell us off for talking about our teams. And um, I saw a <laughs> I saw a tweet earlier, which I need you to explain to me. Um, it was from Sean Shapiro, who uh, is from the Athletic, and he uh, follows the uh, the Dallas Stars. Well, he used to. Oh, he used to. Sorry, he's moved to Seattle. Although he mm. he is. He's
0: he's moved no he's moved to um, looking at wider league issues so he's done quite a lot of TV um, new ESPN TV deal
1: it's the um, it's the Colorado beat reporter for the Athletic that went to Seattle Ryan S Clark that was it he's the one that's gone to Seattle anyway uh, Sean Shapiro just tweeted um, earlier on breaking the Dallas Stars. And there's no explanation as to what it is. And I couldn't understand it. Have you got any insider knowledge uh, as to what that tweet means?
0: No. Uh,
1: I was trying, I was looking and I thought, when I saw it earlier before the podcast, I thought, oh my God, what's happened? Like, has there been some horrible injury? Has I mean, there been well, like, I mean, it uh, could
0: just refer to the fact that we are incredibly banged up. Um, right. <laughs> we're picking up, you know, the last few games, two injuries every game. Um, That's, it, That's not
1: sustainable, Matt.
0: <laughs> no, not not when you're already missing uh, people like Ben and say, uh, aren't you missing ben like Bishop your top three
1: centres or something like that? There no, was that there was one say.
0: point we were missing our top three centres. Yeah, ah. um, Rupe Hints is day to day for the rest of the season, so he's basically in one game, out one game in in the next. Out he's doing the okie dokey, uh, and now now Radulov's on that list as well as banged up and day to day, every game game time decision. So, yeah, we're we're playing a lot of kids, and and you know some of them are doing doing well, um, but it's difficult. I think I think this is kind of happening across the league as well, and and probably some of the reason we're not seeing teams running away with divisions is because teams are having to put out. A different lineup every night mm. you know we're playing so many games and there's so many yeah. injuries that and because of, i think because of the taxi squad as well so the taxi squad is good because it, it's a quick way of getting other players in but it, but teams are utilizing the taxi squads to keep players fresh and and that just means you get new lineup every night um, i'd love to see the stats of how many team like what's the longest streak of um you know, consecutive lineups without any changes, because yeah. um, yeah. I think Dallas is, is two. We've only, <laughs> I think we've had two games in in a row that had the same lineup. Other than that, it's different every night, and I think that's that's kind of across the board. And so I think that's why we're seeing some some odd results once in a while. All yeah, it,
1: it does seem to be, and it, the, the amount of players and goaltenders we were talking about earlier who are um, who are injured or playing through injuries at the moment does seem to be. Um, quite high. Um, I guess we could finish off, unless there's anything else that you uh, kind of want to particularly bring up. Uh, just having a looking at some of those players, we mentioned uh, some of those teams. We mentioned them in the trade deadline kind of talk, but those teams who are still fighting for the the playoffs. Maybe if you're a, an NHL neutral and you're looking through your uh, TV guide and wondering which teams to kind of look at for for meaningful hockey at this time of the year, and One of the teams, if we go kind of out West that I was really surprised who are still kind of gunning for a a playoff spot, the LA Kings, like they have lasted way longer than I thought they would before uh, the drop off would happen. Now they are a team who've had very, very high levels of recent success in terms of cups, etc., And they've gone through a rebuild and they're coming out the other side of it, but they're, they're uh, overachieving, shall we say, um, which has kind of taken them off a lot of people's trade bait lists. Um, But they're ones to watch at the moment and are quite a good team to watch as well, LA. Um, They're quite fun team to watch. They're very young. They're very fast. And they have got some real kind of big names still like Drew Dowdy and Anze Kopitar and, um, players like that, they've been getting some really good goaltending from a goaltender whose name has escaped my brain. It's not Jonathan Quick, it is their other goaltender who I'll find out the name of in a minute, but he's um, he's been performing really well for them. And um, they're quite a surprise in the West and they're ahead of Arizona at the moment, ahead of San Jose and ahead of poor old Anaheim who are rock bottom of that West division. And they are five points behind St Louis um, in the west with a game in hand. Um, And, you know, could potentially, it looks like it's going to come down to St. Louis, Minnesota or L.A., perhaps Arizona, if they can go for a push. But you would imagine they're more likely to be sellers and therefore going to be slipping down that table. Are there any other um, kind of teams to watch out for? You can you can see in those league standings, Matt, that perhaps you'd want to follow. Uh, Apart from your own team, who are going to be going on an epic run to the Stanley Cup (laughs) final, surely again. (laughs) Wouldn't that be nice? <laughs> uh, I'll
0: take just making the playoffs at the moment. Yeah. Um, I, I'd maybe say, and this is a bit of a, a, a strange one.
1: If you uh, stay the Leafs, I'm not going to be impressed.
0: No. The, the Rangers. So mm. we spoke about them winning 9 nine Yes. And they've won a couple in a row. And um, they're kind of there or thereabouts so they're they're four points back from Boston who are in fourth and they've got Philadelphia ahead of them who we already spoke about. Yeah. But they started to get a couple of people back from injury and, and I know Capo Caco got a couple of goals last night. Um starting to look like he's maybe fully fit again. Um I just think they're a fun they are a fun team to watch and I'd I'd, I'd quite like them to go on a bit of a run. And and that that then makes that East really interesting if they can go on a bit of a run. And you've you've kind of got Boston, Philadelphia, and the Rangers fighting it out for that fourth spot. I think that'd be a really interesting um kind of run in. Um and then obviously in the central, it's just it's maybe a three-way fight for that um, that fourth spot. I'm hoping Dallas can get in there with a uh, start challenging we've still got games in hand obviously <laughs> um, but yeah we've, we've got to start winning course, in regular games in
1: hand until the playoffs mate we've,
0: we've got so our record yeah,
1: you're going to have game in hand until the playoffs
0: yeah but our record is 10 10 and 8 8, eight overtime or shootout losses you know uh, that's a lot of lost points on the board that you could have you got and a lot of them have yeah, been in also- shootout as well
1: yeah I suppose it's better to be doing that than losing them all right, right well, out. You can look at it either way. It's like an extra four wins.
0: Yeah, one one way we're still in the picture because we're picking up those points. Um those single points, mm. but then you could also say well we we're, we're throwing away um you know eight eight points there. But it's it's it is bizarre yeah. because it's fine ways to not not score in in overtime or the shootout is just I wish we didn't have it. I'd rather have another 5 minutes of 3 on 3.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Although I can't remember which um I think it was the Oilers uh no, who was it? It was Montreal and they were playing whoever they played on Saturday night. I can't remember who they played. Um and it was the dullest overtime three on three hockey <laughs> I've ever seen in my life. Like they were playing defensive three on three. Like for the whole period. They just kind of played like they didn't want to lose a goal. And it I, was
0: so dull. I think <laughs> I find like... that with the shootouts though. I don't know I don't know whether it's just the Dallas shootouts, but but neither team looks that yeah. interested. You know, um I, the <laughs> The players are skating in with no purpose, and it's not like we're seeing any fancy shootout shots. Like you might get on a penalty shot uh, during a game. No, they don't seem to try anything. No, um, no. and I, no. Ju- I just think it's it's. I don't know. Maybe it's time to try I something would, different. We tried five I am, uh, three on three. Maybe we try something else.
1: I'm well with you on the three on three bandwagon and I much prefer it to a shootout. I was just saying that for the first time, actually I watched a three on three and was bored watching it. that's the first time I think that, that has ever happened. Cause usually it is so much fun to watch, yeah. especially when you don't care about the result. Like it's, it's horrible to watch if it's your team involved, but um, yeah, if, if it's you your don't team, care of the
0: result, if it's your team, you spend five minutes on the edge of your seat, it's... getting up every time it's your team, and like cringing whenever the other team's on the attack, but if it's somebody else's team you just sit there and enjoy it for five minutes
1: The um, a very quick one and kind of the, the final division I guess to, to mention is the Scotia North and that's going to be a fascinating run into the playoffs to see who's going to get in there because you've got you genuinely have with the Leafs appalling run of form recently um, You and also runs good runs from the likes of Edmonton Winnipeg playing well you've even and and Vancouver still being in that race you've got all the way down to Calgary in sixth they're on 33 points the Leafs are at the top joint top with Edmonton on 42 so only nine points separate the entire division apart from the Sens and it's going to be fascinating to see how that run-in goes through because there are some real kind of odd form anomalies like the Leafs have got a great record against the Oilers but have got a terrible record against uh, Winnipeg and Ottawa, for example bizarrely. Um, and so again, with all of these points being within the division every single game matters when you are fighting for those playoff spots. And so yeah those teams that we've mentioned over the last segment are worth keeping an eye on um, and in the run-in just because those games are so big for them. And it's, it's going to be fascinating to see whether any team, considering what we were talking about with injuries earlier, is going to be able to put together anything like a run now or whether it is just going to be get whatever points you possibly can um, just to try and stay in that top four. Anything else you want to mention, Matt? Uh,
0: I suppose just very quickly, the changes to the draft lottery. Um, so... They've finally approved what yes. we probably all knew was going to be approved. Go on. Um, so What's going to happen? There's now uh, only two draws instead of three. So whoever finishes last uh, can only draft uh, no lower than third. So they'll get either the first, second or third pick. So... I think we've seen a lot of teams finishing last. Was it Detroit last year finished last and ended up picking sixth or seventh or something? Um, So they can only now drop to third. Uh, The maximum number of places a lottery winner can move is limited to 10. So only the top 11 teams can get the number one pick instead of 16. Uh, And no team can win the lottery twice, uh, more than twice in a five-year period. Um, So basically this is trying to stop Ottawa um, you know, getting several uh, top three picks in in five years—you uh, can only get two. So, yeah, all all those take effect uh, from next year. Apart from the first one, the the um, two draws instead of three. So, yeah, it, it, it's trying to stop. I was trying to improve the chances of getting the first overall pick if you've had a bad season and stop people jumping to first from 16th.
1: Yeah. And you can imagine a team who are, of course, NHL Commissioner Gary Bettman said the other day that NHL teams do not tank. Of Of course not. However... If a team is not tanking but finding themselves very near the bottom and, and potentially doing things to increase their chances of getting nearer the bottom, then uh, that is going to be music to their ears because you do not want a situation, as I said, that uh, jumps you back up to the top of the queue. And however, it can work out for you. If you're the New York Rangers, then you've not yeah. even been that bad. And yet you've got some very, very good picks from. I'm
0: sure that. Buffalo were very happy with these changes this year. <laughs> Although it doesn't come into effect till next year. So.
1: Just a nice little dagger in the hearts of Buffalo fans who uh, actually, since we've recorded the podcast, have fired their coach. Um, also worth mentioning, Ralph Kruger, no longer of the Buffalo Sabres. Um, they really do have a lot of soul searching to try and To try and salvage something out of this year. So, as the NHL approaches the trade deadline, as the NHL gets to that point where the playoffs are not too far away, and hopefully we can get to a point when we're watching real, meaningful playoff hockey with no COVID mentioned at all. Oh, very quickly, I actually want to mention. Today is a significant day. Well, a significant day in the UK because a year ago today we went into lockdown. However, on a far more cheery note, this was a significant day for you as a hockey fan, Matt, wasn't it? Because (laughs) something happened to you on the 23rd of March. Was it three years ago?
0: It was three years ago. So uh, three years ago today, I went to my first ever uh, Dallas Stars game in Dallas. Superb. Um, Yeah. And yeah, keep saying I want to go back. Uh, circumstances now make it slightly more difficult now I've got a child so uh, it'll be a few few more years till I get to go back but um, yeah it was it was a great trip uh, the Stars were on their worst run in their franchise history and it continued uh, I, I made a joke on Twitter that you know even three years ago we were trying to find ways to lose I think we we gave up three goals in the third period and the game winner came twelve seconds from the end, but Ugh. I still enjoyed it, and I'm still a fan. Hey. So, so,
1: yeah, that's uh, that's all it takes. I remember going to my first Leafs game, and this was this was when the Leafs were bad, like really bad and intentionally bad. And uh, I remember going and. Uh, it was it was a year when a lot of Leafs fans were very angry and I was at a very different stage of my Leafs fans career and I was like oh this is fun this is amazing I'm actually at a Leafs game and there were like fans with like bags over their heads and uh, people chucking jerseys on the ice and, like getting all kind of riled at this pathetic excuse of a Leafs team and uh, there I was like a competition winner like uh, watching this this hockey and uh, I just can't wait I, and Finally, I guess on uh, 31 Thoughts, so they were talking about this and Jeff Merrick, the host on there, um, was talking about he he worked the Montreal game on Saturday in Hockey Night in Canada and um, the other hosts were kind of uh, pulling on his leg that he looked like an excitable puppy. like He was just so amped up and excited that he was actually in a hockey rink watching hockey, which is a privileged thing in Canada because there are literally no fans in those stadiums. And I just thought back, and now you know, perhaps, perhaps maybe, given the global pandemic and all of that kind of stuff, our first live sporting experience is probably not going to be an NHL game. However, just on a on a sports fan's point of view, uh, the thought of going to a live sports event, whether that be a football game or something in this country, is just so. I don't know how you feel about it, but I just can't wait.
0: Yeah, I, I mean, it's been it's been way too long. It's almost a. Year to the day since I was at my last football match so yeah it's um yeah it's been it's been way too long it'd be good to watch some hockey in this country as well <laughs> hopefully we can get it back back going I know they're doing the the elite series so hopefully that's a success and we can get get fans back to hockey in the UK yeah
1: it'll be yeah uh good to have some normality back right on that note we'll leave it there and thanks very much for joining us you can uh, drop us an email at nhl at gmail.com if you've got any questions or you've got any topics that perhaps you want us to bring up or if you fancy coming on and having a chat to us as well that'd be great we always want to hear from fans over here following your nhl teams Uh, so get in contact with us on there it's also at nhl fans from afar on twitter as well hopefully we'll be reunited with claire next week but thanks very much best of luck to all of your teams particularly if you're a fan of one of those teams who are pushing for a playoff spot we will speak to you next week